Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader. And I am Auto Trader's road test editor, Dan Alika. Hey, did you change? I did. It's uh, it's my Barbie shirt. Oh, because that, Barbie is life. That movie, I so I haven't seen it. Um, just because I don't watch movies, you know That's that. That's true, yeah. But I think it is like super cool. Um, the cast, like I didn't know Michael Sarah is in that movie. He's Alan. And uh, he's hilarious and Canadian. There's so um, many amazing Canadians yeah, in that movie. Yeah, Simu Liu, yeah. Ryan Gosling. Oh, my yeah. God. So good. Anyways, yeah, it's not like I'm not opposed. Becky wants to go see it at the drive-in. I don't know if we'll have seen it uh, by the time we watch this this episode. But A drive-in would be so fun for Barbie. I saw Barbie uh, last week and it was so good. Wouldn't it be fun if you could do it in like the like a pink Cadillac? I know. Just roll up, watch. Anyways. That's my dream. Um, anyway, so today Dan and I are going to be talking about uh, advanced safety features you can get in most cars today and how they work and how they can help you. Um, and I kind of thought about this because safety has advanced so much even in the last five to ten years. Um, and it, it's crazy to think that like Ontario was the first place in Canada to make seat belts mandatory in 1976. Like that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That was also not, I don't remember the exact year, uh, someone out there who's, who's keen enough can look it up. I used to know, but I believe it was in like the sixties. Um, I think Newfoundland was the last, uh, was the last place in Canada where you would drive on the opposite side of the road. Oh. And so, you know, how do you make that switch? So the government ran this like big long ad campaign and had posters and billboards and newspaper ads. And it was like on, you know, just for argument's sake, let's say like uh, as of July 1st, like at 9 a.m., we're switching sides. Chaos. And that's when the switch happened. You know, it's anyways, it's just That's so road, interesting. road safety rules in, in Canada. It's interesting to see, you know, back then, like, I think there was a lot more uh, or a lot less harmony than there is now, right? It's yeah, like, for sure, because it was left to the provinces and territories to kind of sort that out on their own. And even when it comes to seatbelts, like most other provinces and territories territories didn't join until the 80s. <laughs> the territories didn't I know, join. Like toitles. <laughs> Um, but even back then, you know, the science proved that seatbelts saved lives. They prevented you from getting ejected from a vehicle you know, uh, in the event of a collision. People still don't wear them. But people back then were super against the idea oh. of wearing a seatbelt, even though the science proved that it could save your life. Apparently in Alberta, it was like, I think Alberta might have been the last province to... I think they were one of the later ones for yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, apparently, like the the pushback on seatbelts was like enormous. Which to me is like, I mean, look, we've seen a lot more recent examples of this same mentality. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, this is th this was like a, a you know life life saving measure. This wasn't somebody inventing a seatbelt to say like, ha I got you I'm now. I'm going to make money by selling yeah, seatbelts. Like, yeah. You know, and if you take a look, like that's a good example. Um, Volvo, you know, made it an open patent. The seatbelt was never like a patented right. technology that Volvo sold to other automakers. It said, it hey, anyone, yeah. uh, we, we want to see, you know, 
less less fatalities on the road. Um, so so anyone can use this. So it's yeah, it wasn't driven by greed. Uh, it was driven purely by to save you know, lives. Yeah, yeah. And so the car industry and the tech that kind of powers it has changed so much since then. Back then, the focus was really on passive safety yeah. or features that kind of softened the blow if a collision were to yeah. occur. Today, the safety features are much more active and are trying to prevent those crashes from happening in the first place. Now. We should also just give like a little, you know, before we get into the technology in terms of like the stuff you can see working, um, a little shout out to like engineering prowess and how that has impacted safety. The way if you look at a vehicle, let's say you, you see even like a unibody vehicle. Um, you look at like a schematic drawing and you wonder why they have these kind of different shapes and stuff underneath. Um, that has to do with energy, um, like what? How, how do you want to say it? Absorption and and like protecting. Diffusion. Yeah, so it's going to push the the collision away from the occupant. So if you look underneath, like the front of the the vehicle might have channels that push away to the side. So any frontal collision, that energy is going to be pushed around the occupants. Subaru was really cool with that breakaway drivetrain. Mm. Um, so obviously, you know, the the engine has to get power to the wheels somehow, especially in an all-wheel drive vehicle. Um, the the steering shaft, like the steering column as well, all of that stuff is, is designed to break away and down towards the ground when a collision happens. Wow, am I boring you? You're just over here typing away. No, I just remembered something I wanted to talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I just, I love that stuff. That's, you know, what, what you would call passive safety, but I also think it doesn't get enough, you know, kind of credit and celebration Absolutely. that it's, that stuff is protecting us and we don't even know it. There's so many important features like that. Like there's a whole bunch of, you know, airbag tech that, you know, is new and nobody talks about it because it's not like a sexy techie thing. Oh, that, that like Honda's It's like donut. a big baseball mitt that yeah. catches your head yeah. in, in the event of a collision. And there's so many cool innovations happening in that space. That's not what we're going to be talking about today, but I do think that we should do those features justice and talk about them on of another course, episode yeah. for sure. Um, so today we're going to be talking about um, advanced driver assistance systems or sometimes ADAS for short. Um, and it's important to know that different automakers have different like proprietary names for their systems. So they'll have, they'll, they'll call it something different. We're going to stick <laughs> with, you know, kind of like catch all terms, not patented terms. So like you might hear something we talk about and it's similar. Jody and I talked about it earlier um, from back in their, their days as a, as a joint company, Ford and Volvo still use the term blind spot information system or bliss. Um, the more generic one is blind spot monitoring. Yeah. That just like, to me, that makes sense. I don't want to get into these, you know, bizarre terms that, that are specific to certain brands. No, we're going to be using very general terms for everything. So when you're doing your research, uh, just keep that in mind that it might be called something yeah, else. Yeah, but this is like kind of motivated by the idea that, you know, we get a lot of questions. I know that um, it's one of the areas that, uh, you know, owners often struggle with in the first, you know, that that first 30 to, to 90 day period of vehicle ownership 
It can be overwhelming. We just want to break it down, let you guys know kind of the, you know, the the kind of Coles Notes version, how these systems work, why you should often leave them on, when you should or can turn them off, um, and also make sure that if they don't default back on, that you turn them back on. I know a story of someone who got into a collision uh, because they had shut off their forward collision warning, and it's not a guarantee that it would have prevented the the crash from happening. But, you know, sometimes those systems are referred to as collision mitigation braking yeah. because it'll preemptively uh, apply the brakes in order to lessen the blow yeah. of that collision. So that's the sort of stuff that you want to make sure. Often these systems will default back to on. Um, sometimes they don't. So you should just be aware of that. Yeah. So before we get into all the nitty gritty, the biggest thing that I wanted to point out about these systems is that they are designed to assist a driver, yeah. not to replace a driver's attention or responsibility. Yeah. So even if you have all of these safety features um, as an extra added safety step to kind of like, you know, save your butt, you should never be relying on these systems. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Even even like, you know, Ford's Blue Cruise uh, and GM Super Cruise, these like semi-autonomous hands-free highway driving technologies, that doesn't mean like pick up a magazine or your phone and start taking a look, like you still need to be paying attention and trust me, I've used these. And you have to also think it's not you. This is what I say, no matter what the situation is, us talking about this sort of stuff or talking about road safety, you could be the greatest driver in the world. What about the dozens of people around you in that current moment? If somebody blows a stop sign, that has nothing to do with you. And it has nothing to do with that advanced system that you may or may not be using. That has everything to do with them. And if you're not paying attention and you can't react quick enough to avoid that impending collision, that's why you need to, to put the phone down, regardless of whether you're using this technology or not. Absolutely. So we all as drivers have a responsibility to, to pay full attention when we're operating, yeah. a, you know, a machine projectile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thousands of pounds just barreling yeah. along the roadway uh, can cause a lot of damage. And then the other thing is, you wonder why your insurance is so expensive? Well, that's why, right? Insurance companies have to pay for the damages caused by collisions. Therefore, they are going to increase your rates to cover the collisions that have happened that have nothing to do with you. And if you live in an area like me, I live in a in an area with more claims than than average. I pay more. I've never had a Collision yeah. in my life. I'm a very safe driver. Doesn't change anything because other people are getting into crashes. And it could happen to me, even though I'm a safe driver and, and it, I don't look at my phone. it wouldn't be your fault most of the time. Sometimes you know? it happens, right? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying. Pay attention. You know, put the phone down. Use these systems, like Jody said, to assist you not to take control. This is Absolutely. not a Jesus take the wheel moment. <laughs> Uh, the first one I wanted to go over is adaptive cruise control, yeah. mostly because it combines a lot of the other systems we'll be talking about later. Um, so adaptive cruise control is mainly for highway use. Um, what it does is you can set uh, a safe distance between you and the car in front of you, and it will keep that distance for as long as you have this system activated. Um, yeah, and it basically just combines, you know, distance sensing with kind of conventional cruise control, uh, and then with or without lane keeping. So let's say you set your speed at 110 kilometers an hour on the highway because it's a 100 zone and you're coming up on slower traffic. 
it will react and respond to the speed of preceding traffic based on the distance that you have set. So often it's just little hash marks you can see on, you know, in the instrument display. And they represent car lengths most of the time. So you can usually choose like one car length, two or three. Yeah. And so, and you can, some of them, you can adjust the sensitivity uh, as well as the distance. And it's just a great way to, because you guys, I'm sure have all used conventional cruise control and you know, you're coming up on slower traffic, but there's no way for you to pass in that moment. So you have to disengage cruise control. The other thing I will say, uh, pro tip, yes, if you tap the brakes, you will cancel cruise control, but that also means your brake lights are going to come on and you're going to cause that ripple effect, that chain reaction behind you. Don't do that. Just hit the cancel button. Yeah. If you hit the cancel button, you will disengage the cruise control, but your brake lights won't come on. And then no one behind you has to hit your brakes and they will respond and everybody's happy. So yeah. don't use it, whether you're using conventional or adaptive cruise, just use the cancel button. Yeah. And so adaptive cruise control, um, sometimes it's only for highway use. Other times, some automakers um, combine it with something called traffic jam assistant, which will help you in like a stop and go situation on the highway or in the well, city. Well, but again, that's stopping. So there, this is again where it gets complicated with like all these different terms. So traffic jam assist means you can be hands-free uh, at very low speeds, right? So, you know, Toyota system, for example, you know, if, if you have traffic jam assist and it's active and traffic is kind of stop and grow, stop and go below like 15 kilometers an hour, you can have your hands off the wheel and it will make sure to stay and it will follow the behavior of the vehicle ahead. Uh, adaptive cruise control that works in stop and go or adaptive cruise control with stop and go. There's all kinds of different mm -hmm. terms for it that will bring the vehicle to a full stop and continue to accelerate, but you still have to keep your hands on the wheel. Yep. So it's slightly different, but they're all kind of that same, they're, they're of the same ilk. Yeah. And they use kind of the same uh, sensors and stuff to yeah. help. Uh, the next one we should go over is automatic emergency braking. Very cool. This is one that I would suggest never turning off. Now there are some, uh, there are some circumstances where you might have to, a good one is if you take a look at like Subaru, um, uses a system called eyesight, which is a camera based system. The cameras are up behind the windshield, um, up near the rear view mirror. And if you go through a car wash that has one of those, like you know, boards that flips down as you slowly roll your way out through the dryers, that can be enough to trigger the automatic emergency braking. Ask me how I know. Uh, so that is one of those rare circumstances where if you're getting a car wash, you might want to go ahead and turn that off so that you don't accidentally like have the vehicle ram on the brakes. And trust me, when you're not expecting it, it can be like a it moment of panic. It is very jarring. There have been times when I've been driving uh, a vehicle that has this when you're reversing and I'll just be reversing up against the wall, which yeah. is very normal. Yeah. And the car will go beep, beep, beep and slam yeah. on the brake. And it makes me feel like I've hit the wall Yeah, and so, it's very scary. So, so that's why you can't rely on these systems yeah. because they don't, work a hundred percent of the time. So in, so that's a, a rare circumstance and yeah, like the reverse automatic braking every, you know, it's just like adaptive cruise control. 
you know, every brand is going to have a different distance that's deemed, okay, this is our safe. So some are nice and close. So if you live in a, in a building with a parking garage and you need to back in against that, that wall, you can get nice and close without the system, you know, slamming on the brakes. Others, it seems like it's way too far. It's Mm -hmm. like three or four feet that you're like, why would it be activating now? Yeah. But that's one of those things where, yeah, in your circumstance, you might want to go ahead and disable that. Also know that often those systems will default back to on. So you might have to turn it off every time you drive, which is kind of annoying, but safety first, literally and figuratively, it's just, you know, best practice to, to kind of have those systems on because they can. Let's say you're, I don't know, in a drive-through, which in my opinion, you should be going in to the restaurant, but <laughs> whatever, that's just me. Um, how many times have you seen this happen where, you know, that the, the, somebody in a car leans over to get their wallet out of their purse or out of the glove box or whatever, and hasn't noticed that they've let their foot off of the brake pedal Mm -hmm. and they've rolled into the vehicle in front of them in the drive-thru. Yeah. This is what, what automatic emergency braking can prevent. Um, but for me, it's also much more important on like a highway situation or even like, well, but keep in mind that that won't happen. Like, no, no, no. But even like if, if you, if they're coming up to a stoplight and it's, and you, you know, there's a car in front of you and it stopped and you know, you're not paying attention and you're still going full speed. You haven't tapped the brakes. What these systems will do sometimes is they'll warn you to brake. And if you don't do it fast enough, they will help you brake. Some cars will assist the braking so that the impact isn't as bad. Other cars will try to stop you from getting into that crash in the first place. But it is really important to understand how that system in your particular car works yeah. because they all work differently. Well, and the other big one, um, to me, the most important one is that often the speed range is different. So yeah. like even coming down from, let's say, 60 kilometers an hour, some, especially older systems, won't work at that speed. Mm-hmm. So the, some of them are, are kind of city speed. So like 50 and, and lower. Um, so if you're coming up on a stopped vehicle, you know, even though you've got automatic emergency braking, it might not work. So the, the point being, you know, open your owner's manual, get familiar with the systems, but we just want to give you guys sort of an overview, broad strokes of how they work and why you should leave them on. Same with lane keep assist. Now, these are, so there, there can be lane departure warning, which exists in a lot of vehicles. Not all of those have, or can even be equipped with lane keep assist as the name would suggest. Yes, there are other names for it, but as the name would suggest, it keeps you within the lane markings of the lane you are traveling in. It just, it's like, you know, bumper, bumper bowling. That's how I yeah, that's a good way How to put I describe it. it, right? So if you let the vehicle drift, and I think this is something you should do, uh, especially in a new vehicle, get familiar with the limits of the system and how it works. So if they're, you know, make sure you're doing it on a road where there's no traffic directly around you, let the vehicle drift towards the lane marking and see how it responds. It might beep and flash. It might vibrate the seat or the steering wheel, and then it will guide you back into the center of the lane. Also keep in mind, more often than not, 
these systems, if you do not respond with some steering input after a little while, they will cancel the systems. Some of them can even bring the vehicle to a full stop. Yeah. So do this is not autonomous driving. This is not set it and let your hands off the wheel. This is lane keeping, but you still have to be actively involved in the process of steering and driving in the direction of travel. Yeah. And so some cars use that to kind of monitor if a driver is incapacitated or not, yes. right? So if if it's warning you that there's danger and you're not responding, some vehicles will bring the car to a stop, put the flashes on, call yeah. the emergency services because cool. it might mean you could be passed out and yeah. like not able to drive, right? Yeah. So that's a pretty cool feature that I hope no one ever has to actually use. Yeah. Um, we should go over blind spot monitoring because yes. it's one of my favorite ones. Yes. Um, so blind spot monitoring, you know, it'll use, again, every vehicle is a little bit different, uh, whether the sensors are in the tail lights, whether they're in the door mirrors. Um, but what, what they're doing is they're monitoring, these sensors are monitoring for vehicles in your periphery, um, that you might not be able to see with the way your mirrors are positioned and the A and C pillars or the B and C pillars, sorry. Um, so they'll same sort of thing, flash a light, um, sound a little sensor to let you know, Hey, there's something on that side of you. Some will also have, um, blind spot intervention. So what they will do is if you signal and go to change lanes and you're not paying attention uh, to that sensor telling you, hey, there's somebody, you know, just behind you will actually prevent you from steering into that vehicle. The other thing that I want to point out, um, and this is also hopefully a bunch of our contributors are listening to this, uh, because when they list safety systems, quite often they'll be going through the list. Oh, it comes with, you know, forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection, lane keep assist, adaptive cruise control, blind spot monitoring, automatic high beams, rear cross traffic alert. Just keep in mind, rear cross traffic alert does not exist without blind spot monitoring. It's like how that whole, you know, that old saying, like every, you know, every mother has a child, right? It's like they don't exist without the other. Yeah. So if it's blind spot monitoring with rear cross traffic alert, what that means is if you're backing out of a driveway or a parking space, these work at low speeds and a vehicle is approaching behind you, it will start to beep and flash and, and let you know, hey, there's somebody coming behind you. And if you don't, uh, if it also has that reverse automatic braking that Jody was talking about, it will then prevent you from backing up into the path yeah. of that person, that cyclist, that vehicle. I think that's a great system because in some of those instances, you literally can't see what's yeah. around the corner. So I think that is super, super helpful. Totally. But going back to blind spot monitoring for a second, it does not replace a shoulder check. Yes. It is there as a last resort, as like a final check to, to make sure it's safe. Use your mirrors. You know, you should constantly be checking your mirrors. You should be aware of your surroundings. And I get it. You know, we all have moments where we're kind of cruising along mindlessly. But those are, those are huge, um, you know, that, that's a big cause of collisions where you're not really paying attention. You drift or you go to change lanes because you're, you know, sick of that person going slow in front of you, but you haven't noticed that person that's approaching, you know, from, from your left. Um, so yeah, just, just be aware of what's going on. But blind spot monitoring to me is probably the one that, you know, another one of those ones that you should keep on all the time mm -hmm. and that's severely underrated 
because what's it, what's the harm in leaving it on? If you're shutting it off, like, I just don't understand why you would ever have a circumstance where you would turn that off. No, I, I feel like to me, that's one of the ones that has been more, the most helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another one that I wanted to go over is rear seat monitoring. And yeah, so this, this is, is like a relatively newer. new one yeah. um, and it's kind of improved. So previously certain cars would uh, pay attention to if you've opened the rear doors or not and will warn you when you turn off the car, you know, to check in the rear seat because every, every summer, unfortunately, like young kids end up dying because their parents have forgotten them in the car and it gets so hot. Um, and so this feature is designed to prevent that from happening. Yeah. So... Um, it can be open to the door. It can be just weight. like a, yeah, just like a, a seatbelt sensor. It can be if there's weight. So sometimes it's happened to me where, I don't know, I get groceries and I put the grocery bags on the back seat and the vehicle will tell me it will, it will activate the rear seat reminder because it, it detects that as a person, which is great. Mm -hmm. Better safe than sorry. Um, for me, as somebody who doesn't, you know, have kids and, and I don't have a dog, I wouldn't, be putting any living being in the back seat, mm -hmm. I often turn that off. But yeah, if you have kids and every parent says, you know, oh, that wouldn't happen to me. You just never know. And it is a great technology. Just like the, the um, you know, the, I don't remember what, like Jaguar Land Rover has it, Hyundai has it, but that, the rear door. Um, oh, safe exit assist? Safe exit assist. That's it. So it uses technology where if you, it uses the blind spot monitoring technology. And if you go to open or your, your, you know, pass your kid in the back seat goes to open the back door and there's a car approaching from behind or a cyclist, it will, same thing. It will warn you, it will flash. Uh, and some of them can prevent the doors from opening so that they don't continue to open that door into yeah, approaching Yeah, really traffic. great feature. Yeah. Um, and some of the rear seat monitoring systems, like uh, some of the newer ones also use like ultrasonic sensors. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I think Genesis does this where it can sense if there is a baby sleeping back there, it's you crazy. know, which is amazing. And, yeah. and can you imagine if you forgot, like if you were in a rush and then your car was like, hey, there's a baby back yeah. there, I would be so grateful. So it's EVs, a great feature. And that's something that you're seeing more with EVs because, you know, there are these tech showcases where um, I don't remember what vehicle it was, but uh, something that I was checking out recently that can not only does it have that rear occupant alert, um, but it will keep the climate control system running if it knows that there's an occupant, including a pet. Yes. Because it's using those sensors and it's noticing a, a living being is still in the vehicle. It will keep the climate control system running and it'll send you an alert on your companion app to say, hey, you forgot Rover. Amazing. The, yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know why you would name your kid Rover, but anyways. <laughs> Um, the other one that, so here's one that I do often turn off because I find it's not quite as helpful as maybe it could or should be, uh, automatic high beams. Okay. So this is a good technology because on one hand, how many times are you driving, especially on a country road at night and somebody's driving towards you and they blind you because they haven't turned their high beams off. Um, but I find the automatic ones more often than not don't react quickly enough. So those are using the, the sensors, usually like a, you know, a camera, a stereoscopic camera or whatever. And it's like, oh, there are headlights coming towards me. 
I will turn the the high beams off so you don't have to do it. But I just find that the systems don't work as well as they should. Um, but it is handy to have because we've all been guilty. And that person coming towards you starts flashing their high beams right. at you because you haven't turned yours off. Um, it's a cool technology, though. I will say it's just, yeah, I usually turn it off. The one that I wanted to turn off, but I don't think I could recently, I was driving a Lexus, I think, yes. and it was a driver monitoring system. And so mm. it uses a sensor kind of like where the gauge cluster is to make sure you're paying attention and looking where you're supposed to be looking, which yeah. is great. But my issue with this system is that even I was, even though I was paying attention, like if I checked my blind spot, it would, it would start flashing at me to pay yeah. attention and it would happen so often and it was so not helpful. I ended up hating it. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Subaru has driver monitoring like Theirs that. Theirs is much better. Yeah. And, and same with like Ford and GM. That's how they, because Tesla with its, you know, wrongly named. Okay. Wait, let's, let's demystify autonomous self-driving. Joseph, it's time. So. All of these technologies are semi-autonomous. Um, Blue Cruise and Super Cruise are legitimate, hands-free highway driving assist systems. So they mean that you are allowed on certain stretches of road, the systems will prompt you to allow you to take your hands off the wheel if you want. If you don't want, you don't have to. But you can, on certain stretches of divided highway, remove your hands from the wheel. Tesla... Drivers, let's say, will do the same. You are not supposed to do that. And Tesla calls its system self-driving, which is a lie. This is not self-driving technology. Self-driving technology does not exist for public use. No, and, and this is extremely dangerous when drivers... Um, see that, oh, my car has autonomous self-driving yeah. and they like take a nap. And like there has been video footage released yeah. of, of people, of Tesla drivers specifically, like reading a book, taking a nap, full on yeah. sleeping while their car is driving. And that is so dangerous. I think a lot about, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I would, you know, do something dumb. And I remember my dad being like, well, I would say, oh, my friend, you know, well, I did it because so-and-so was dead. Well, you know, if he jumped, jumped off, off the bridge, bridge, would you do it too? It's like, come on, people. Use your brains just because, like, I don't know. I look at a vehicle and go, well, sure, it can do this, but is that in my comfort zone? Is that the smart thing to do? Probably not. I also think way more onus needs to be put on, you know, government bodies Absolutely. around the world to hold automakers like Tesla to account, which is not happening right now. Well, and, and so Tesla, so they say technically you can't take your hands off the wheel and it will warn you um, if your hands are off the wheel for too long. But some Tesla drivers have created like cheat systems you can where go they would on tape Amazon. a, yeah, you could like wait, like something with weight and tape it onto your yeah, steering because wheel. Yeah, because that's how the system works. Now, Tesla isn't the only automaker to use a system like this. Like even that Nissan Aria that I just drove, that also has a system that is a little sensitive where I noticed if you didn't have like a, at least one firm hand on the wheel, it would tell you in the, in the head up display, you know, but wow. it won't allow you to drive with no hands, but it's the same sort of thing. Instead of using driver monitoring where it uses like a camera, it's using that, that, you know, it's detecting the weight and resistance of your hands on the wheel, which is a big no, no. Cause yeah, you can go on Amazon and search it. And there are, 
sellers selling these devices that you just attach to the wheel and it simulates the weight of a hand or an arm being on the wheel. It's ridiculous. Do not use that. And honestly, I really think that this stuff needs to be cracked down on. I'm not part of your beta test. Okay. Yeah. I do not you know, approve of being on the highway. But this is a matter of public safety, exactly. right? Like it doesn't exactly. just affect you, it affects everyone else yeah. around you. And yeah. so I think it's incredibly selfish um, to use that technology in the way it's not meant to be used, yes. right? So just keep that in mind. And if um, you disagree with us, <laughs> or if you like automatic high beams, or you do shut off your blind spot monitoring, we want to hear from you. Yeah, if you want to tell us stories about your experiences with any of this technology, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. And before today's Ask an Expert, here is a message from AutoTrader. Save time and money by using AutoTrader, Canada's most trusted place to buy and sell new and used cars. AutoTrader has the most cars and one of the best features is price badging, so you can feel more confident that you're getting a good deal. Today's Ask an Expert comes from Jim. Sup, Jim? Hi, is the Honda Hybrid a good buy? It uses brakes to charge the battery. So that's a great question. So all hybrids do this. It's not just Honda. Also, wait, let's demystify. Oh, Joseph, another opportunity. So they do not use the brakes. It uses regenerative braking. These are not the mechanical brakes doing the job. It's just a term, right? It's like engine braking. That has nothing to do with your brakes. Uh, Neither does regenerative braking. So regenerative braking uses the electric motor or motors um, to take like kinetic energy that would otherwise be lost, recoup it, and put it into the battery pack. As Jody said, this is very common with electrified vehicles, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or all electric vehicles. They use regenerative braking because why the heck not? Yeah, um, and in most hybrids, the gas engine also helps to recharge the battery. So Toyota calls this a self-charging hybrid because you cannot and do not need to plug it in. It's actually a really clever name it makes a lot of sense because it just puts it into context like it charges itself you don't have have to do any plug-in hybrid yeah and you have a self-charging hybrid exactly you know it's a little misleading in the sense that it makes it seem in my opinion like they're on the same level right like but they're not it's like you know coke or pepsi yeah they're very different but yes i think it makes a lot of sense because because a plug-in hybrid uh can be plugged in but it's also self-charging you know, That's in the true. sense it that it uses, rege- exactly. So anyways, but, um, for Honda, yes, I would say, uh, if I'm assuming that you're referring to the new crop of. There's only two Honda hybrids available right now. It's the Accord hybrid and the CRV hybrid. There used to be an Accord hybrid in Canada as there well still as is. the. No, as well as the Insight. Oh yeah. Sorry. Now those cars there, and there also used to be a Civic hybrid, um, but that's that's been kicked to the bin. The the Honda CRZ was a was a hybrid. Remember that thing? That was cool. Hybrid manual. Yeah. Very cool. Anyways, um, this new hybrid setup I've driven a little bit. 
Uh, it's pretty good. And yeah, I would say that they're good cars. I really like them both. Um, the only thing is that they're both a little bit on the expensive side. Yeah. So if you're shopping for a hybrid in general, um, I would check out offerings from Toyota, but also Kia and Hyundai. They're all a little bit more affordable than what Honda has going Toyota. on right now. Toyota is so tough to beat for hybrids because they have been doing it for such a long time yeah. and they have such a proven track record yeah. and they're super efficient. Yes. So it's really hard to go wrong with a Toyota hybrid. Yep. Um, but thank you, Jim, for your question. If anyone has other questions for Dan or I, you can email us at expert at trader.ca. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode. Drive safe, and we'll see you next time. Peace.